Well, we're going to go ahead tonight and continue along the lines that Pastors Mark and Brenda have started. You know, we've been in the school of prayer. Amen? We've been learning some things. We're being reminded of some things and reminded to do some things. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the WWP, the walking, watching, and praying. Amen? And so I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. I want us to start off there. That's been a text that Pastor Brenda's been using, and it is a powerful one. It says this, pray at all times. How often are we to pray? At all times. So that means we're to be mindful of prayer, mindful of petitioning heaven, mindful of making mention about this or that to the Father. So that you form an attitude of prayer. Amen. Amen. So pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the spirit. We're going to be talking a lot about that tonight. In the spirit. With all manner of prayer. Now, Pastor Brent has been teaching along those lines about different types and kinds of prayer. And it's good to know that because, you know, just like in baseball, there's different, uh, or in sports, there's different uh, rules for different games. For example, baseball does have their rules. Football has theirs. Hockey has theirs. Basketball has theirs, and so on and so forth. And you can't play basketball and use football rules. It just doesn't work. You're not going to make a touchdown. You may make a hoop or two. And so you've got to learn to be skillful about how you pray and to use all manner of prayer. It says to the end, keeping this in mind, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance in interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. So praying in the, simp- in the spirit is simply praying spirit-inspired prayers. So perhaps praying in the spirit, you may pray in English or a known tongue. Or praying in the spirit could be praying in the Holy Spirit using your prayer language, which is the gift of tongues. And so, you know, many people kind of get that confused a little bit. They think tongues is the Holy Spirit. But tongues is not the Holy Spirit. Tongues is a prayer language, a heavenly prayer language that the Holy Spirit will give to you. It's one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a powerful tool that God gives to us. And you can use it for different purposes. So, for example, when you don't know how to pray, Romans 8.26 says that you can pray in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. And the Holy Spirit, who knows the mind of God, will pray through you the perfect will of God. He knows what's to be prayed out. He knows all about situations. We only know in part. But he knows the entire picture inside out. And so when we yield to him, it says in Romans 8 that he grants us groanings. Sometimes it's travail. 
Sometimes it's just praying out a mystery. Things that your mind does not comprehend, but your spirit does. And you begin to pray that out. And so praying in the spirit is one way, one expression. How about when you pray in the spirit, it edifies you. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, that it begins to build you up? It builds your faith up. And then it builds you up praying in the Holy Ghost. And so you're edified, you're charged up and you're ready to go. So if you're ever feeling weak, if you're ever feeling fatigued, if you're ever feeling weary or depressed, this tells us what to do. Jude 20, pray and build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in what church? The Holy Spirit. Then there's worshiping in other tongues. And that's so precious because sometimes we just don't have words to express to him how we feel. Our words sometimes can fall short. Or maybe we just run out of words to express to him. And so you begin to pray in your heavenly language. And it's so beautiful how the the Holy Spirit will give you a spirit of worship to worship him with. So don't forsake that. It's a benefit. Acts 1.8 says this. It says you will receive what, church? Power. Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you so that you can be a witness. Empowered to be a witness. A witness is one that demonstrates what is on the inside and who is on the inside. What's on the inside of you? I'm telling you powerful things. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you and he'll make you a witness. You know, I knew Jesus from a young child. I grew up in the Baptist church. And one thing in the Baptist church, you're going to get saved. (laughs) And I knew Jesus from the time I was little. But I grew up and I did not have the power of God in the way that the Holy Spirit promises us we can have it by receiving him. So you have a measure of the Holy Spirit when you receive Christ. But, you know, I was missing that river. And so around the age of 21, 22, I got a call from a lady on the phone. And she was from a national campaign, and it was called I Found It. And the campaign was, did you find Jesus? And she called and she said, hi, I'm from I Found It. Have you found Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And, you know, sometimes people call you, and it's not always the most convenient time, but I was never wanting to be rude, so... I said, oh, yes, of course I did. Yes. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. What church do you go to? And I said, well, I don't go to church. And she said, you don't go to church? And I said, no. And she said, why? And so I made up a lot of excuses as to why I didn't go to church. (laughs) But, you know, as she began to talk to me, she began to ask me, can I just send you some material in the mail? And again, I just wanted to get off the phone. I said, sure, you can send it. Go ahead. And she began to say, can I pray for you? And yes, you can pray for me. And she began to pray for me. As she prayed for me, 
she began to weep. And I didn't know what that was about. And I didn't even recognize for years later that it was a spirit of intercession that the Holy Spirit gave to her because he knew that I had a destiny. Amen? And he knows you have a destiny. And he knows how to call you up. He's got your phone number. And guess what? He's got your family member's phone number. He's got your kid's number. He's got your parents' number. He's got your aunts and uncles, your sisters, your brothers. He's got those ones that have lost their way. He's got their phone number. And he knows how to call them up. Hallelujah. And so he... So she sent the material. I got off the phone and she sent the material. It didn't come the next day or the next day, but on the third day, I came home from work and there it was in the mailbox. I, I, I brought the mail in. I sat down on the couch. And I'm telling you, over those three days, the Holy Spirit had been working on me and working on me and working on me. You know, I don't think this side of heaven, that lady knows what it meant for her to be a witness. Amen. And so I sat down on the couch and the Holy Spirit sat down on me. It was so awesome. And I looked at the material and I just said, God, I, I just, you know, I just want to, I'll make you a deal. I'll make you a deal, God. I'll make you a deal. You gotta reveal yourself to me, and I don't wanna know what the Pentecostals say, the Baptists, the Catholics, the Methodists. I only wanna know what you say, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanna know what you say. So you've gotta show me who you are in the, in the Bible. And, and if you show me, uh, and I can believe every single word, because if I can't believe all of it, I might as well throw it away. I mean, it's just very honest. You might as well be honest with God. Yeah. He knows what you're thinking, amen. And so I was very honest. I said, you know, just prove yourself to me is really what I was saying. Reveal yourself to me is really what I was praying. And so all of a sudden, what began to happen is I began to have this hunger. I got so hungry for God. And I couldn't put the Bible down. I'd be at work and I'd be reading. I'd be, you know, uh, on the way home. And I'd be uh, trying to listen to different programs and so on and so forth. And so this went on for a period of time. And God just began to just minister to me and minister to me. And somehow, I don't even know how, but I somehow heard about the Holy Spirit. And being a little Baptist girl, I just said, well, you're going to have to show me that in the Bible. And he did. He did. He began to open up the scriptures. Have you had that experience? And as he opened up the the scriptures, everywhere I looked was something about the Holy Spirit. And so I began to seek that. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm open. I just want all of you. I want all you can give me, but I really don't know how to receive the Holy Spirit. So I, somehow I got a book in my hand about receiving the Holy Spirit. And did you know that faith begins where the will of God is known? So I had to get established in the word to know that this was certainly a gift from God. And he wanted me to have it. And he wants you to have it. Amen? 
And so one day I came home from work and I just had this desire all throughout the day. And as I got home to pray for Israel. And at that time at 21, I didn't know anything about Israel. I had no teaching on Israel. How do I pray for Israel? I don't know how to pray for Israel, Lord. And I went upstairs and I laid on my bed. I said, Lord, I just want to pray for Israel. And suddenly, I felt the presence of God come on me. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I began to speak in other tongues. Nobody laid hands on me. I was just seeking him. Now, I had not a large language, but I took what I had, and I was faithful to it, and I used it, and I kept going, I kept going, and then it began to grow, and it began to grow, and it began to grow, and I'll tell you what, it's just the next to receiving Jesus, it's something that's changed my life more than anything else. Having this gift and using it. Having this gift and being able to pray in the Holy Spirit. Now remember I said praying in the Spirit. You can pray in English in the Spirit. But then you can pray in an unknown tongue. And as you do, you pray out those mysteries and those things that your mind is not fruitful to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, what happened as a result is I just began to walk with him. I began to walk with him and I walked in the word. I walked in the spirit and I walked in prayer. And it was a glorious thing. He'll give you walks to walk. Did you know that? He has assignments for you. Hallelujah. They're just there ready and they're waiting for you to take them on. You know, as I began to walk and I began to uh, learn more about the things of God, it just, it was such a precious time. And, And shortly after that, you know, God just gathered a group of us, a small group, and here we are today. Hallelujah. 46 years later. Amen. Amen. Still walking with God. Still walking in the word. Still walking in the spirit. And some of my friends back then said, oh, it's not going to last. You'll just see. I give it six months. But here I am. Amen. I'm still standing. Glory to God. You know, recently, Pastor was um, ministering along the lines of watching and praying. And as he was up here, he started talking about watching and praying. And then he started talking about walking and praying. Do you remember that? And he talked about how when you're on that walk, the Lord will show you things and you'll be able to pick them up along the way. And there'll be tools for you. There'll be supplies for you. And so um, one thing that went off in me as he began to talk about walking and praying was the fact that this is not just a casual walk. It's not a leisurely walk. It's the kind of walk that you walk with a purpose. And you walk in authority. And you begin to walk and you start off. I mean, sometimes you start off and, gosh, you walk just a little distance in the realm of the spirit. And, okay, I'm ready for a break. What time is it? 
if you continue, you will build an endurance. And you will build a perseverance. And you will build a consistency. And from that place, glorious things happen. It's not a casual walk. It's a walk with purpose, a walk with authority. And as you're walking, as pastor said, you'll begin to have the spirit of seeing and knowing rising up on the inside of you. And you'll begin to see some things and you'll begin to know some things. Amen. You'll discover how to walk with God. You'll discover how to walk by faith, how to walk in love, how to walk in unity and in trust. You'll learn how to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. You'll learn how to walk circumspectly. Do you know what that means? It means carefully. It means watching where you place your feet. Selah. You learn to walk in the spirit and you learn to walk and not be weary and run and not faint. Because you'll learn how to do some things not in your own strength, but with the supply of the spirit that he grants and he gives. There'll come a grace upon you that'll rest upon you and it will empower you to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. Amen? So as you begin this walk, you'll begin to see some things. You'll see some things from a different vantage point, from his vantage point. You know, if you're down here, all you can see is the faces in front of you. But if you walk up here, guess what? You can see a lot more. And as you begin to pray in the spirit, you'll begin to ascend into places. You'll find even like, as it were, rooms that you'll enter into. That you'll be praying on assignments about things. Working for God, that's what you'll be doing. Working for God in prayer. So you begin to ascend and you get to this place and then he'll take you up higher to another place. And you'll learn the ways of the spirit. Hallelujah. Nothing more powerful than learning the ways of the Spirit. He'll grant you spiritual eyes to see with. And you know, when we're watching and praying, walking, watching and praying, um, there's two ways to watch. So number one, you can watch with your physical eyes. And your physical eyes will cue you to some things. I mean, turn on the daily news and you will see some things that need prayer. Sometimes you'll see some things that God will show you with your natural eyes and you'll say, aha, that's an assignment. Then there's a second way to watch. You can watch and God will speak to you in your heart. You'll see in your heart, on the inside of you, you'll just know and see. And then you pick that up and you pray over that. So there's two ways to watch and there's three ways to see. 
Number one, as we said, you see with your physical senses. Number two, you see with your intellect. And the intellect is the reasoning part of your being. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, your emotions. And there's perception. You have perception in your intellect. Somebody will say, oh, two plus two equals four. And you'll say, oh, I see that. Did you see it with your eyes, your physical eyes? No, you saw it with your intellect. And so there's that part of seeing. And then, of course, there's your spiritual eyes. And we see so much about praying for the eyes of our heart to be enlightened and flooded with what? Light. God wants to flood your understanding with light because he wants you to know some things. He wants you to know the hope of your calling. Everybody say it. I have a calling. I have a purpose. Lord, show me. He wants you to know what the riches of his glorious inheritance are. He wants you to know the greatness of his power that resides on the inside of you. He wants you to know that you're seated in heavenly places with him and that you have authority in the earth that he has given into you by using the name that's above every name. Amen. Amen. The Lord does not want you to be short-sighted. He wants you to see in, not in part, but in whole. Amen? And only his spirit can reveal these things to you. You can't use your intellect or your reasoning to understand what the Holy Spirit shows you spiritually. Because most of the time, it doesn't make sense to your reasoning, to your logic. You know? It didn't make sense for Naaman to dip in the filthy Jordan River seven times to be cleansed of leprosy. It did not make sense to use words to speak to a fig tree and curse them from the roots, and it dies. Some of these things, you know, Lord, help us. Help us to have spiritual eyes to see that it's so important for us to have revelation of what you want to say to us in this day and in this hour. You know, the word of God is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses. And in Hebrews 4.12, it says this, that the word of God is alive, it's quick, it's powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between what? The soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so if you're trying to figure out, is this my soul? Is this my spirit? Is this my flesh? What's going on here? What do you use? You use the word. Because the word will divide between your feelings and the will of God and the word of God. So sometimes that'll keep you safe because your feelings are fickle and your feelings are subject to a lot of other things like hormones and things that are going on around you. Amen. Amen. But 
The word divides between the soul and the spirit. Remember, the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And the word of God never changes. It's settled forever in heaven. And so if what you're feeling is not lining up with the word, then your feelings need to change. But don't be ruled by those feelings. Don't be ruled by the emotions. Be ruled by the, by the word in the spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everyone say, glory to God. The word of God will reflect to you when you're out of focus. Now, have you ever looked through a camera lens and it was out of focus? Doesn't look so good. How about have you ever tried to pair, try on a pair of glasses that didn't belong to you? My sister got a cute pair of glasses, and I said, oh, let me try those on. And oh, my goodness, I almost fell over. I couldn't see if they were cute or not because she does not have my prescription. But when it's out of focus, things are blurry. Things have double vision sometimes. And the result is it's hard to see where you're going. And if your lens is on your camera is out of alignment, it's going to be blurry. You need to get that back in line. And we need to get back in line with the word sometimes. If things look blurry, if things are feeling kind of out of focus, we need to correct the lens. Amen? Or throw away them glasses and find the right pair. Because when you lose your focus, you lose your direction. When you lose your direction, you lose your vision. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. In the Amplified, it says, where there's no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, people perish. They lose their way. Now, I'm going to talk to you about a few examples of people um, who didn't walk in revelation. They did one moment, and then the next they didn't. One was Peter. You remember Peter? And how one minute he's saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but only my Father. And the next minute, he's wanting to call fire down from heaven, you know, to consume these people. And Jesus says, You don't know what spirit you're of. Did you hear me? You don't know what spirit you're of. God judges the heart. Lord, judge my heart. Help me to be clean and pure before you. Amen? And so that's one example. But let's look at another example out of Luke 24. And this is Jesus himself. When This is the, the Easter story, actually. It's the resurrection story. And Mary Magdalene and, and many others uh, with her went to uh, the tomb. And they had some spices. I guess they were going to prepare Jesus' body. But when they got there, the tomb, the stone had been rolled away. And the body was gone. Jesus was gone. And they didn't know what to think. But who showed up? A pair of angels. Amen. And the angels, what did they say? Don't be afraid. The one you're seeking is not here. He's risen. And so... What they did, you know, the first women to carry, the first people to carry the gospel were women. They took the good news that he has risen. The angel said, he is not here. He has risen. And so go and tell. 
And so the first people to carry the gospel were women. There are women preachers. Amen. Yes. All throughout the word. Yeah. Amen. And so they went on their way. And as they were going, they met up with, um, they were actually headed. I want to get too much into the story, but they were headed on a road to Amasis. And they were going to uh, find the disciples. And so as they were on their way, they encountered, you know, the men. And, of course, they didn't believe them. They were suspicious of it. And so um, on this road, all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And as he appears, he begins to have conversation with them. And he could see that the people that were there that he was speaking with were very sad. And he says, why are you so sad? Why is your countenance down? And they said, oh, don't you know? It's the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word. And, and, and he was from God. And, he, you know, he was for the people. And the chief priest and the rulers, they delivered him unto death. And they condemned him and crucified him. And we were just hoping that he was going to come and redeem Israel. They're talking to Jesus. And they're telling him why he, they're sad. And he said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? You know, and he expounded to them about the scriptures that he had already told them about. But they didn't see it. Amen? And so they drew near to the village. And as they drew near to the village, um, he, he was ready to go on to the next place. And they said, no, come and abide with us. Come and sit down with us. It's a long journey. And the night is far spent. Come. And so it came to pass that he sat down at the table. And he ate. He broke bread. And he ate with them. And they still didn't know who they were eating with. Oh Jesus. In their own midst. But they didn't have revelation of it. They were held captive in their souls. But Jesus, he opened their eyes and they recognized who he was. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to see through eyes of revelation what God wants to show us. Because, you know, oftentimes people will say, oh, if just Jesus was here, if I could even talk with him, then I would believe. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, as they were talking with him, having that, commu- that bread, breaking bread and, and, and having a meal together, all of a sudden he disappeared. And then the next thing you know, he shows up and, and Thomas is there, and Thomas is going, I'm not going to believe unless I touch the hands and the feet. And Jesus said, here I am, touch my hands and feet. That was his body, right? Amen? Interesting how our new bodies are going to operate, huh? Yeah. One minute he's there, one minute he's not. But it was flesh and blood. And so, anyhow, we don't want to be doubting Thomases. We want to believe, Amen. We want to say single-minded. We want to have vision. We want to have revelation. We want to we have, to have insight into the things of God. Yes. Amen? Amen? Singly focused. One heart. One purpose. Focus on 
his plan, will, and purpose. Not blurred, but seen clearly. Amen? Um, a couple of years ago, I had to have... Uh, I got a, Well, let me tell you a little bit what happened. A couple of years ago, I had... Um, my left eye got all of a sudden really strange. I couldn't see out of it. It was almost like a suddenly. It happened quickly. And it was very sensitive to light and the screen on the computer. And so I made an appointment. I went in, what's going on with my eye? And he said, oh, you have a cataract, but let me look at that. And he looked at it and he goes, I've never seen anything like this before. It's going right through the center of your vision. He said, can I take a picture? <laughs> I said, sure. So he took a picture of it. But I guess that it wasn't even that bad of a ta- cataract, but the location of it was right through the center of my field of vision. He says, well, what do you want to do? I said, take it out. <laughs> Remove it. If you've got something in your eye, yeah. remove yeah. it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Pluck it out. Glory to God. And so he did. And you know what? I ended up with 20-20 vision in that eye. So this lens is clear. Glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It can be better than before. God will restore and he'll make it better than before. He'll restore your life. He'll restore your hope. He'll restore your faith. If you think your faith has been shipwrecked, if Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, I'm telling you, Jesus has prayed for you. This pastoral staff has prayed for you. The staff of this church, people, one another, we have prayed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It makes all the difference. So if you've got something obstructing, obstructing your vision, get rid of it. You want to have clear spiritual vision. So I want to close with this story. This is a a story about, um, well, have you heard of Simeon and Anna? So Simeon, you know, he was the one who the Lord said to him, you're not going to pass away. You're not going to die until you see the promise of Israel, until you see the Messiah. And so he was a devout man. He was a righteous man. He was a man that was faithful. And he followed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was upon him, but he followed the Holy Spirit. And he sought after this for his entire life. And one day, the Holy Spirit said to him to go to the temple. And when he got to the temple, there was Jesus with his parents. Now, they had gone to the temple because Uh, 40 days after the birth of a child, that is the custom that was happening at that time. There was a purification and there was uh, different things that they did to present the firstborn uh, for redemption of the firstborn. And so they had gone to the temple. Jesus was probably about six weeks old. And he goes to the temple. Now remember, he said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Now, how many people would go to the temple and see a couple with a baby and say, Aha, there he is. That's the Messiah. Unless you have revelation knowledge, spiritual insight, you're going to think, Oh, that's a cute little baby. Yeah. 
Because what were they looking for? They were looking for a warrior, somebody to come and take over. Amen? Redeem Israel. Glory to God. And so there was Simeon, and then there was Anna. Anna was a precious lady. She was about 84 years old. And Anna had um, been married since she, was a, since she was a virgin. She was married seven years after her virginity. So she was probably 15 when she got married was married for about seven years. Then her husband died and she became a widow. But she had this uh, assignment. It was an assignment, really. It would have to be to be able to do what she did. Where she went to the temple, she was a prophetess. But she stayed at the temple day and night, day and night. So whether she was 84 years old or 84 plus 15 plus 7, over 100, I'm not sure, But she sat there day and night, day and night, praying for the Messiah. For the consolation of Israel. Amen. The comfort of Israel. And along came Jesus with his parents. And she saw the precious baby. And you know, this is so amazing because these folks, they were so focused and so in tune to the Holy Ghost that they saw something that nobody else saw. And God wants to show you some things. Amen? Amen. He wants to give you revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. They knew Jesus was coming. I mean, it had been prophesied. I'm going to quickly tell you about that. It had been prophesied in Micah 5.2. The birth was going to be in Jerusalem. In Isaiah, he was going to be born of a virgin. In Hosea 11, he would come out of Egypt. In uh, Isaiah 11, he would be called a Nazarene. In Psalm 77 and Proverbs 30, he would do miracles and wonders. In Malachi 3, he would be a messenger would be well prepared, that would prepare the way. Speaking of John the Baptist, would come before him. Uh, Psalms 2 and Proverbs 30, again, he would be called the Son of God. Isaiah 9 um, and Jeremiah, uh, yet he would be God himself. Isaiah uh, 35, he would heal the leopards, open the blind, the lame would walk. And in Zechariah, he would enter Jerusalem as a king riding a donkey. Daniel 9, he would be cut off before the temple was destroyed. Zechariah 11, he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. Yes, that was prophesied beforehand. Psalms 22, his hands and feet would be pierced. Isaiah 53, he would be tortured and mocked before execution. Again, they were looking for the Messiah. And they, they recognized who he was. They knew he was coming. And guess what? He's coming again. Amen? Amen. Are our eyes open to see the time and the seasons that we're living in? Wow. We are here for such a time as this. To take up that those mantles, amen? And to walk in the assignments. And God will give grace for those assignments. And he'll start you in one place and you'll go to another level. And then another. And then another. And then another. Amen? Glory to God. When you're focused, you won't miss seeing the hand of God. I don't want to miss seeing the hand of God. I want to see your hand move, Lord. I want to see your hand move. 
and I want to be right smack dab in the middle, Lord. And so, Father, tonight, as we close this service, we just want to lift up, Lord, the season and the times that we're living in. And we ask you to grant us vision. Vision from heaven and eyes, spiritual eyes to see with. Lord, so that we're not moved concerning the things that are going on around. You said it would be as, it, as the days of Noah, shall, so shall it be when you return, Lord. And so sin does abound. That Father Grace does so much more abound. And so we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through this season, through this time that looks hopeless to the natural eye. And we can walk with hope. Because your grace and your glory and the reign of the Spirit, Lord, that you want to bring down from heaven the early and the latter rain, Lord. We pray for the rain. We pray for the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. Amen? Oh, Father, if we had time tonight, we would pray for the rain the reign of the Spirit. Because when the reign of the Spirit falls upon you, you are saturated yep. with the presence of God. Yes. And you're changed. Whew. He changes and he rearranges something. There's a great move that's already started. And it started because prayer has been going forth. But I'm telling you, we haven't seen nothing yet. Because the gifts of the Spirit, the signs, the wonders. Oh, hallelujah. God's not mocked. You're going to see it. Especially if you have spiritual eyes to see with. Amen. You'll be in the middle of it. You'll be a part of it. It'll be flowing through you because you are the church of the living God. And God wants to use you. And he wants to use you mightily. So let's say it. Here we are. Here we are. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.